This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's no such thing as questions, just hidden answers. Stay tuned to PH Murder Stories as we revisit the inconceivable crimes that exist. Some listeners may find the following content of PH Murder Stories highly disturbing due to its graphic nature. PH Murder Stories does not condone nor promote violence of all sorts. Listener discretion is advised. Under the principle na yung Secretary of Labor nga alter ego ng presidente, lahat na ginagawa ng dual secretary ay may ano may may go signal sa ano on November 16, 2004, 14 people were killed in a bloody protest in Hacienda Luisita, including two children aged 2 and 5 who died from suffocation from tear gas thrown by police and army dispersal teams. After being wounded, one of the victims was reportedly strangled and his dead body hung at the factory's gate. 
at least 35 people have been confirmed to have suffered gunshot wounds. 133 have been arrested and held. Hundreds have been hospitalized, and another hundred were missing. The devastation is a horrific reminder of the notorious Menjola massacre and the massacre of Lupau, which both emerged from the demands of the peasants to own their land. June David, Adriano Caballero, J.V. Basilio, Jesus Slaza, Jaime Pastidio, Juancho Sanchez, Neng Balete, Boy Versola, and Jesse Valdez have been confirmed as the first nine people of those killed in what is now dubbed the Hacienda Luisita Massacre. Of the 133 people arrested, 117 were detained in Tarlac's Camp Macabulos, while 16 were detained in the Criminal Investigation and Detection Group. In 1957, Jose Coanco Jr. acquired the Central Azucarera de Tarlac, including Hacienda Luisita, from the Spanish company Compañía General de Tabacos de Filipinas, or more commonly known as Tabacalera, through a central bank guaranteed loan from the government service insurance system and a dollar loan from the Manufacturer's Trust of New York. The loans are secured on the condition that the estate will be distributed to farmers under President Ramon Magsaysay Sr.'s social justice program. The properties are transferred to Coanco's Tarlac Development Corporation, or TADECO. In 1980, the Marcos government filed a civil case before the Manila Regional Trial Court, or RTC, to compel its distribution to farm workers. Five years later, Manila RTC ordered the Ascenda transfer to the Ministry of Agrarian Reform, distributing the land to farmers after compensating the landowners for 3,988,000 pesos. In 1987, a year after President Corazon Cuanco Aquino was brought into power, she issued Presidential Proclamation No. 131 and Executive Order Number 229, calling for a Comprehensive Agrarian Reform Program, or CARP. In the following year, CARP law was enacted, which provided a stock distribution option scheme as an alternative to land distribution. Subsequently, Tadeco created Hacienda Luisita Incorporated, or HLI, for the SDO deal. In a referendum, 92.6% of farmers voted yes to SDO. Assets of the Hacienda Luisita Incorporated are put at 590 million pesos, of which 196.6 million comprise the value of the agricultural land. A decade later, labor groups filed a petition before the Department of Agrarian Reform to revoke the SDO saying Hacienda Luisita Incorporated was not giving them dividends. Their 1% share in gross sales and 33% share in the proceeds from the conversion of 500 hectares of land. This turn of events led to the horrific Hacienda Luisita Massacre. The melee erupted on November 16, 2004 at around 3.20 p.m. after Tatarlac Police Dispersal Team 
under the command of Chief Superintendent Quirino de la Torre and with the support of the Northern Luzon Command, or NOLCOM, forcibly broke the workers' picket line in front of Hacienda Luisita. Threats of dispersal placed the workers in high alert after Secretary Patricia Santo Tomas of the Department of Labor and Employment issued on November 10, 2004, an assumption of jurisdiction. Santo Tomas ordered the striking workers to return to work so the company could resume its operations in 24 hours. Apparently, the Labor Secretary's order also directed the PNP and the AFP to dismantle the barricades put up by the strikers and break up the strike. The Dole order calls for a return-to-work order and a free ingress-egress. It deputized the Tarlac police to implement the order, as if in a war zone. Three armored personnel carriers, several fire trucks, and ten military trucks were stationed in the area to allegedly assist the police in enforcing the assumption of jurisdiction. Elements of the 69 and 703 Infantry Battalion of the Philippine Army were also deployed in the area. Combined hundreds of military and police forces with high-powered firearms attacked the picketing workers and thousands of its supporters. As the armored personnel carriers rammed into the workers' barricade, the military and police repeatedly used water cannons, high-powered rifles, truncheons, and tear gas to disperse the strikers and their supporters, and to eventually open the factory gates. Earlier, there were more than 5,000 sugar mill workers and sugarcane farmers of Hacienda Luisita who went on strike last November 6, 2004. Members of the Central Azucarera de Tarolac Labor Union, or CATLU, barricaded the factory's gate too while members of the United Luisita Workers' Union, or ULWU, simultaneously locked up the mill's Gate 1. CATLU is the Employees' Union, while ULWU is the Farm Workers' Union. The strike arose from the deadlock in the negotiations for a collective bargaining agreement between CATLU and Hacienda Luisita Incorporated, and the illegal dismissal of 327 farm workers belonging to ULWU a few days ago before the deadly protest. Among those illegally dismissed were ULWU President and Vice President René Galang and Ildefonso Pingul, and eight other union officers. On its part, CATLU demanded a 100 peso salary increase and hospitalization benefits. But the Central Azucarera de Tarlac management said that it can only provide a 12 peso wage hike and a 12,000 peso bonus. A series of negotiations ensued between CATLU and the management, but the latter stood pat on its decision, thereby resulting in a deadlock. More than the issue of wage and jobs, land distribution remains the primary demand of Hacienda Luisita workers. The workers, led by ULWU, call for the scrapping of the SDO, which the Coancos used to purportedly escape land distribution to its tenants under the Comprehensive Agrarian Reform Program. Ironically, 
It was then President Corazon Cuanco Aquino, whose family owns the Hacienda, who signed the Carp Law in 1987. The deceptive SDO resulted in massive retrenchment and suppressed the collective actions of the two unions. They also said that contrary to the Cuanco family's claim that 33% of the plantation's income goes to farm workers being part owners, only 3% are distributed to them in stocks. The workers also reduced their working days into once a week, which forced some of them to do laundry work, collect junk, and get odd jobs for a living. While their gross income is 190 pesos a day, the farm workers only get a take-home pay of a measly 9 pesos and 50 centavos due to loan deductions and cash advances. Meanwhile, an independent fact-finding mission was held simultaneously with visits from three progressive party list groups, Anak Pawis, Bayan Muna, and Gabriela. The three militant lawmakers, accompanied by workers and representatives from other sectors, went to the Hacienda to gather testimonies and evidence on the bloody dispersal. They were initially barred from entering the gates, but were eventually allowed after a 30-minute negotiation with the Hacienda's administration. The said party list groups have asked the Congress to form a congressional committee to conduct a full-dress investigation of the massacre, the striking farm, and sugarcane workers' issues. Even with the carnage, charges of assault, illegal assembly, inciting sedition, and malicious mischief are being readied against the strikers. There is a snowball of protest over the overkill reaction, such as the use of armed personnel carriers, high-caliber rifles, and M60 machine guns of the military and police that led to the massacre. The Juanco family was in hot waters during that time owing to their primary responsibility to the carnage. There was also a strong outcry for the resignation of then-Dole Secretary Santo Tomas, who was held liable for the massacre because of her order to the police and military to enforce her assumption of jurisdiction order. According to critics, in utter desperation to cover up their culpability in this crime, the Coanco family, the Dole, and the military connived to hide the real issues behind the carnage by saying that the strikers are not legitimate workers. They also maliciously insinuated that leftist elements have infiltrated the strike and agitated the people to fight. In a November 23, 2004 statement, labor groups accused the Coancos, the military, and police dispersal teams of a, quote, deliberate and premeditated intent to kill sugar mill and farm workers on strike, unquote. They also said the killings were committed with the full consent and awareness of the Arroyo administration and Dole. Meanwhile, then-executive secretary Eduardo Ermita, a retired four-star general who occupied vital government positions during the presidency of Coria Aquino, claimed that the New People's Army was involved in the Hacienda Luisita massacre. During a meeting at the Coanco residence attended by city and barangay officials on November 18, former Representative Benigno Aquino III said, NPA rebels may have possibly infiltrated the strikers. 
in another statement released to the media, the Coanco family alleged that, quote, outside forces are influencing the situation, resorting to intimidation of non-striking workers and even to the destruction of millions of pesos worth of crops, unquote. What made the incident more notorious is that the plantation is owned by the powerful Coanco Aquino clan, the oligarchs of Tarlac province. Members of their family include two former presidents, Cory and Noynoy Aquino, and a very popular celebrity, Chris Aquino. The influence the family wielded in both politics and show business meant that attaining justice for the workers was a pipe dream. Knowing the unfair power balance in the Philippines. This became clear when, during a speech in the House of Representatives, Noynoy Aquino, who at the time was the deputy speaker, downplayed the tragedy and even said the dispersal was justified. Stay tuned to our next episode as we dig deeper into the aftermath of the Hacienda Luisita massacre. For further updates, Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PH Murder Stories. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, PH Murder Stories. If you have case suggestions, please go to our website at phmurderstories.com and fill out the request form at File Your Blotter. This podcast is brought to you by Revy Visuals. Did you like this episode? Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening in other platforms, kindly send us a review on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. You can also share our podcast to your Instagram and Facebook stories through Spotify. Your support would significantly benefit PH Murder Stories to produce more quality content. We're also inviting you to join our Facebook group PH Murder Stories, The Verdict, and participate in our bi-weekly discourse about true crime, both local and international. This group is a safe space for true crime and mystery fans like us who want to engage in thorough discussions about the subject. See you there, suspects. The Verdict is in your hands. See you there. One of the most gruesome murders towards an overseas Filipino worker happened in 2016 when authorities from Kuwait discovered the body of a missing Filipina placed in a freezer at an abandoned apartment. The gruesome discovery of her remains sent shockwaves across the OFW community. In 2007, a young mother fighting for custody of her two daughters suddenly disappeared. Two years later, she was found cemented inside a drum dumped in the waters of Navota City, Metro Manila. After a valid testimony of a disgruntled witness who later on recanted his story and became missing up to this date. At midnight of July 18, 2002, a 32-year-old British businessman was found murdered at his apartment in Makati City, Metro Manila. For years, the case would go unsolved, 
while his mother battled to piece together the clues of his death. Want to hear the rest of these sensational true crime stories? Subscribe as a prime suspect at our Patreon page and get one bonus exclusive case every month for only $5. Patreon is a way to join your favorite creators community and pay them for making the stuff you love. You can now pay a few bucks per month or per post that the creator makes. For more updates, please visit our website at phmurderstories.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, PH Murder Stories, and follow our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at PH Murder Stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.